Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. Amen, amen. Somebody give it up for Jesus, man. All glory to him. All glory to him. Man, I'm so glad you're here. You can be seated for a couple minutes. Isn't it, man? It's good to worship. Man, they sound good. Y'all, they sounded real good. Uh, Y'all sounded pretty good, too. The guy that was standing over here in the red shoes, he didn't sound very good. That was me, though. Uh, I said make a joyful noise, not a good noise, and I'm glad. Uh, Man, I am glad you're here. You go, who are you? I'm glad you asked. Uh, My name's Sean Olson. I get to be the pastor here at Venture. I'm excited that you are here. You're already your first or second time guest. You're like, where did I walk into? You walked into Venture. We like to have a good time, all right? We like to have fun, so welcome. Uh, if you are a first or second time visitor, all we ask of you this morning, fill out that connection card either in your green folder or your worship guide. Uh, drop it off in either the offering or at the VIP area. Here's what I tell you. You say, man, I don't want to be harassed. Good, we ain't that kind of church. Uh, I'll give you a hassle-free guarantee on that connection card. We're not going to stop by your house unannounced. We're not gonna put you on a telemarketer list. We're not gonna sell your information. We're gonna send you an email and a handwritten postcard later just to say thank you. Uh, on your way out, you're more than welcome to stop by our VIP tent. Let us answer any questions that you may have and give you a gift because everybody likes a gift. We love a gift, so we'll give you a gift. Last week, we took a break on our Mastermind series here and we let uh, one of our overseers uh, and, our, and my pastor talked to us, Pastor Charlie. He dropped some real heartfelt truth on us about peace. Did you enjoy Pastor Charlie last week? He was good. Man, he got an incredible story, uh, leads a great church out in Texas. And I was so compelled by his talk on peace that in a few minutes, I'm actually going to continue the thought on peace. I think it's one of those things that really unlocks our purpose, it unlocks our, our connection with God and unlocks our relationship with God. Uh, we've been in this series, Mastermind, and our key thought is your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thought. And if that's true, then how we handle our thoughts, how we handle our mind, how we handle that is pretty stinking important. We've been looking at the Apostle Paul, and he wrote in Romans, uh, Romans 7, he said, I don't understand what I do. I don't understand what my kids do either. I said, I don't understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have a desire, I have a want, I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to, I do that. This I keep on doing. That is a good description of life. I know what I should do. I don't do it. I'm driving down the highway. I'm driving down 170. Oh, speed limit's 45. I think 60 sounds good. You you, you know it's true. Come on. That's a suggestion. Like, oh, I know what speed I should go. And then the officer pulls you over. Sir, do you know I pulled you over? I have no idea. All of a sudden, amnesia kicks in, like ignorance. Like, do you know I pulled you over? What? I was 
was going, no, my speedometer must be off. I'm going to have this thing calibrated. Yeah, right. I know what I should be doing, but somehow I don't do it. I mean, rarely in life is knowledge the problem. Like, oh, I want to be better off financially. Well, I should probably spend less than I make. But Amazon Prime, it'll be here in two days. <laughs> it'll be like two days. That's, I, I, that's only two sleeps if you're a kid, like, or me. You measure life in sleeps. Like, it's only two sleeps, it'll be here. I have to have it, right? Or, or I want to lose weight, but the whole cake looks pretty good. I mean, I know what I should do, yet... I want a better job. I, should, I know what I should do, yet. I, I shouldn't yell at my kids, but they frustrated me. <laughs> Somebody said amen. I know what I shouldn't do. I know what I want to do. I know the good I should, but yet here I am. I mean, come on. You can probably think about this morning already and be like, I know the good I should have done, yet. Like in Dream Team Central for all of our team members that show up early, we, we load the joker with sugar, load it down like donuts, baked goods, like we're gonna put you in a sugar coma before church and then expect you to stay awake, right? I mean, that's what we do. Well, how they have all that energy? We load them up before you get here. We get them all jacked up on sugar and turn them loose on you guys, it's fun, right? And I walk by it every week, I'm like, I know I should, yet here I am, right? That's what we do, I know what I should do, yet. We know the good we should be doing, yet somehow we lose the battle in the mind. But over the course of Paul's life, he managed to go from this, I know what I should do, to writing our theme verse, 2 Corinthians 10. says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world do does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They've got divine power. That word is dynamite. Literally, if you translate it, it's die, blows some stuff up. Like July 4th as a teenager trying to blow the neighbor's cat up. I didn't do that. Don't judge me. Just kidding. Animal lovers, I, can't, I can never come back to this church. It's a joke. Calm down, right? But it, it, blowing some stuff up in that stronghold is a, a prison that we're taking, that we've been taken captive in. We have divine power. One of the things I struggle with most is when people feel like they're powerless. It's just the way I am. It's always been like that. It's just the way it is. I, I have to get used to it because it is the reality. We are not a victim, we are a victor. So start thinking like one. We paint ourselves in with our thoughts to be the victim of life. You're not the victim of life. In fact, the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. So go ahead and act like one. Like one of my favorite movies, you can judge me. I watch movies. It's all right. Welcome to Venture. We're a real church full of real people, including the pastor. And one of my favorite movies is The Gladiator. Come on, you got it. Manly stuff. Right? My dude goes out and goes ham on people. He walked into the arena not as a victim, as a victor. And though he had no choice, sometimes we let our choices paint us as a victim rather than rising to the occasion as a victor. He wasn't chosen to be there. He was put there like, you can go fight. If I'm going to go fight, I'm going to win. 
Sometimes that's got to be our heart set. If I'm going to go fight, I'm going to win. And we take the mindset as a victim rather than a victor. And some of you, that was worth the price of admission right there. Change your mindset from that as a victim to that as a victor. It'll change your life. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thought. Today, I want to wrap up this series talking about peace like Pastor, Pastor Charlie left us with last week. I was so compelled. One of the things I think plagues the space between our ears is worry. It plagues our mind. It plagues this. This up here, we worry about so much, and worry robs us of our peace. Yet the Bible talks so much about peace. Pastor Charlie said, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one we're talking about, he, write, he opens up all these letters to all the churches. Grace and peace be with you. It's more than a greeting. It's an instruction. It's a, it's a way of life. Peace is so important. In today's society, it's more like stress and anxiety be with you. Like if I was writing a letter to you like, good morning, stress and anxiety be yours in abundance. Right? That, that's that's the, the way of life. You just see it as you drive down the roads, as, as slowly your hands grip the steering wheel and your face contorts. You're like, I can't do it anymore. There's people everywhere, people, 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 cars. Like, we, ju we just live like in this moment of like, <sighs> and then we walk through the door and our kids are yelling and it's like, ah! Like, that, that's, that's the, the visual representation of what's going on inside of us, like stress and anxiety. Yet the Bible calls for this grace and peace. Be with us and we let worry rob us of our peace. Today we're gonna look at, at Paul again, our key character, and we're gonna look at this scripture in Philippians 4. Now I need you to remember from a couple weeks ago, Paul wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. He had a dream and he wound up going to Rome as a prisoner. His life had not yet turned out like he had hoped. Come on, somebody. Thank God for Paul because life doesn't always turn out like you'd hoped. You know what I'm saying? You thought you were going as a preacher. You wind up going as a prisoner. I'm glad I'm not delivering this message from a jail cell, but here we are. He thought he would go as a preacher. Here he is as a prisoner when he writes this. And our first verse, Philippians 4, 6, opens like this. Do not be anxious about anything. He writes this from prison. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about it. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Do something, he says. Don't just come to church and listen. Don't just read your Bible. He said, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do something, and then, and the God of peace will be with you. We read that scripture, it sounds good in concept. That sounds nice. But I think if, if, if we were to drop the act, we'd probably read it a little bit more like this. Be anxious about everything, everything. Traffic, bugs, everything. Sand gnats, be anxious about them. Lord, they're terrible. Somebody pray about that. Let's get deliverance in the low country from sand gnats. That's the miracle I'm hoping for. He parted the Red Sea, he can part the sand gnats just around Bluffton. I would be happy about that, right? Be anxious about everything. 
through complaining and whining, the stress of God that consumes everything will also consume you. Whatever is overwhelming, stressful, terrifying, worrisome, think about such things. And a life of anti-anxiety medications will be yours. Like, <laughs> if you're on meds, I'm not meds. Like, that's, the, that's the way we truly read the scripture, right? Like, that's, that's, we read, here's what we do. We read the text that's in front of us and we filter it through our life. And that's actually how we live our life, like stress and worry. Because what we have is we have runaway thoughts. We spiral. Are there any spirals out there? You just spiral out of control instantly. Don't admit it, people around you will judge you. That just let me admit it and they can judge me, right? We spiral as a, as a, as a kid. My house was broken into multiple times. I don't know how we got so lucky, but multiple times our house was broken into. One time, armed intruders broke into our house. They stole my Game Boy, y'all. You can't take a kid's Game Boy. I'm talking if you're old, like the old black and white one, the original one. I had no color Game Boy. I'm older than that. Somebody goes, wow, he is older than I thought. Thank you for thinking that about me in your mind, not out loud, right? I had the black and white one. And ever since then, and I'm talking ever since then, I can somehow convince myself that when the air conditioner kicks in, it is a league of assassins coming for me. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> right? How do I, as a grown man, as a grown man, go from air conditioning, one of the world's greatest inventions in all of history, good thing, really, really good thing, to league of assassins coming for me, really bad thing. I spiral. And you're sitting here judging me, so do you. We all spiral. You get stopped at a red light on your way to work when you're running five minutes late. Next thing you know, you're gonna lose your job. Your wife's gonna leave you. Your kids are gonna be raised by a league of assassins. Your grandkids are gonna only know violence and they're gonna be addicted to heroin. You spiral too. <laughs> it was a red light, man. But isn't that how we work? We take something that is somewhat small, and next thing you know, our grandchildren are being raised by a league of assassins on the street, only knowing violence and addicted to heroin. It was a red light. It was an air conditioner. All the doors are locked. It's all right. But somehow my mind convinces me that it was a league of assassins. All you're gonna hear this whole message is league of assassins. Like, you're going home, you're like, what do you preach about? League of assassins, I don't know, right? <laughs> we worry. And then, get this, our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. When we lose the battle of peace in our mind, worry consumes us. We lose our peace, we don't understand our purpose. So through, through worry, if we lose the battle of peace, you lose the battle of trust. You lose the battle of trust, inevitably you will begin to, to doubt your purpose. We choose faith or fear. Good news is, it's a choice. Bad news is, it's our choice. You know, like good news is, it's a choice. Bad news is, it's our choice. There's this portion of our brain that its only responsibility is to respond to danger. That's why you see a snake, you run away from it, not towards it. If you're one of the weird people that run towards to find out if it's poisonous or not, just treat them all the same. They bad, right? You see a snake, you run. That's the portion of your brain. It's like a shadow moves on the ground, you assume it's a snake, you run. Its sole responsibility is to respond to danger. 
It is not logical whatsoever. It has no logical portion at all. This is why practical jokes work. Fake snake works the same as a real snake. So if I throw a fake snake at you, your instinct is like, whoa! Because it triggers a response to run until, you gotta understand this because it's important, until the logical portion of your brain steps and says, oh, that one's fake, there's no present danger. The problem is we let our worry trump our spiritual portion and say everything is going wrong and we don't balance it with the peace of God saying I trust him. He's got it in control. So we let, it's, it's like we let that portion of our brain that responds to danger consume us. It's a snake. Yeah, but it's fake. <laughs> you don't have to run away. We, we, we get overwhelmed and we don't choose to accept the peace of God. When I was a preteen, my brother Shane, he was always a little crazy. And by a little, I mean a whole lot. Uh, when I was a preteen, I, I was, I don't know, somewhere in that 10 to 12 range. I was not very old and I was not ready for like crazy stuff yet. Uh, like a full blown teenager. Some teenagers are here, you're like, yes, let's just jump out of everything. It sounds, it's not a good idea. You're gonna get older one day and be like, that's a terrible idea. Well, I was with my brother and they convinced me to try this thing called the Sky Coaster. My brother and his friends are four or five years older than me. It was basically a big swing, like 150 feet in the air swing. Who does this? So they strap us into this harness. They put me in the middle. I don't know why. And I'm holding on for dear life. I'd never felt stronger in my life. I mean, I am squeezing the life out of these guys. Our arms are locked in and I, I've got a death grip. As if we fell unrestrained to the ground, they were somehow gonna save me. Like they're falling too and they reel us up and I'll always remember this. This is burned in my mind forever. They're reeling us up and you can hear the cable. I'm like, that does not sound good. And I'm like, we're, we're, we're at the top. We are at the top and I creak over my shoulder and we're like a quarter of the way there. I have never prayed so hard in my whole life. I mean, I was, I was praying hard, like, God, if you're gonna take me, take me before I hit the ground. I know I'm gonna die today. I'm sorry for all, come on, you know you've done this. When you realize you're gonna die, you start apologizing for everything. Like, I'm sorry I watched Baywatch, God. <laughs> I'm sorry I ate the donuts, God. I'm sorry. I yelled at my mama. I know I'm supposed to respect my parents. I mean, I'm praying everything. They get to the top. And we have to pull the ripcord ourselves. Luckily, they gave it to Shane. He does not care about his life. He's going to send us to the earth no matter what. So they yell at the screen like, flight whatever, you ready? Three, two, one, pull the ripcord. And the pulling of the ripcord, Shane had to trust the cable more than the fall. Sometimes we have to trust the thing that suspends us more than the imminent danger that's in front of us. We have to trust the thing that holds our life together more than the danger that's in front of us. And he made that choice and he pulled the cord and I can tell you, as he did, it sounded like things broke. I mean, you heard nothing but metal coming apart. And I was like, oh Lord, you know? And it was a free fall scream, pray fest until the cable caught us. Then all of a sudden it became fun. And sometimes what we do is we don't make the choice to trust the thing that holds our life together. We only see the fear that's in front of us. We have to make the choice. The Bible does not say, can imagine Jesus coming in, let your hearts be troubled. By the way, that's not what it says. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The angels, when they announced the birth of Jesus, glory to God in the highest, stress and anxiety for all. I mean, we should start singing that around Christmas time. Like go caroling. 
Glory to God in the highest, stress and anxiety for you. And you, you get stress and anxiety, you get stress and anxiety. Like that's not what they said, it wasn't Oprah giving out stress and anxiety. Or when Paul wrote the scripture, be anxious about everything. That's not what it says. One more time, let's read what it, what it does say. Philippians four again, do not be anxious about anything. I don't know what's going on in your life that creates the overwhelmed, worry, stress-filled life that you have. Do not be anxious about anything as a promise for you. But how do we get there? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which by the way, notice it doesn't say the answers of God. We want answers to bring peace. Peace presents answers. It's not always about the answer, it's about the presence of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So how do we find this peace? Pray, prayer. Have you ever heard someone say, well, that's pretty bad, I guess all we can do now is pray. Clearly you've never said that, we're all way more spiritual than that, of course, but I've been there like, well, all we can do now is pray. I mean, I can only imagine God sitting up there in his throne and be like, oh, Y'all, this is bad. I didn't see this coming. Woo! Guess all you can do now is pray. This stinks. Like, God didn't say that. Can you imagine God sitting up there going, Woo! Ah, wow. Yikes! Woo! What should we do? Tell him to pray. You should probably pray now. No, it says go boldly. Go boldly to the throne. It says you don't have because you don't ask. Prayer isn't plan B. It's not a last resort. It's a constant guard. It's a constant in our life. Prayer moves the heart of God and changes your mind. There's a field called neurotheology. See, y'all came in here thinking I was just good looks and fancy shoes. I'm more than that. There's a field called neurotheology. Maybe you'll look it up this week. Maybe you won't. Doesn't matter. It exists. Basically, the study of how believing in God affects the brain. How believing in God, the spiritual, has real, trackable, measurable effects on our brain. One of the doctors that studies this wrote this. This is a direct quote. It says, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent it can be measured on a brain scan. If I pray for 12 minutes a day, over eight weeks, they can scan my brain in the beginning and scan my brain at the end and they can see measurable effects on my brain. This is your brain. This is your brain on prayer. Like it has, some of you old people, y'all got that one. You grew up in the 80s. Little eggs in a frying pan, all right? This is your brain. This is your brain on prayer. See, I wasn't that smart. I just gave you a little bit of smarts. It is measurable and trackable. That's why the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we get there? By prayer, by prayer, not worry. See, if you go back in this series and if you've missed a few weeks, we, we talked about these neural pathways, these default thoughts. What happened is bad things come and our default response is worry. Men, I'm gonna to talk to you for just a second. Sometimes we feel like we got the weight of everything on us. We gotta provide, we gotta we got guide, we have all this stuff. And our default thought is closed in stress, anxiety, and worry. 
That's our, that is our neural pathway. And we allow worry to plague us rather than peace to give us purpose. We go, well, what is all this for anyway? Why? Worry is the sin of distrusting the promise and the power of God. He's got you. He's got you. He's always had you. He will always have you. He's got you. But we, we choose worry over peace. And you say, that's, that's pretty bold to say we choose it. I didn't say we feel it. See, this is the difference. We, we often transpose mental and feelings. We want to feel peace when reality, peace starts in the mind and we choose it. I choose to trust God in spite of some things that bother me, that I have to worry about. So we make the choice, Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what their flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Not life and worry. That's what we wind up with. I will always remember those hours. And I remember, I, I didn't sleep good. I, I, I still don't sleep real good. Uh, I, I was probably, seriously, y'all can laugh at me. I was probably close to a, a full-blown teenager and I would sneak into my parents' room and I would sleep next to their bed because after about 10, my dad would no longer let me in the bed. Thank God for that, right? So literally while they would sleep, I would take my pillow and my blanket, my blanket had a bear on it. It was a little fuzzy bear blanket. And I would crawl up and I would sleep on the floor next to my parents' room because it offered me safety. And then one night my dad woke up and he's like, hey, what is wrong with you? Like, I don't know, dad, a lot. Can we get some counseling or something? Like, there's a lot. You have messed me up, thank God. You feel like you're messing your kids up, one day they'll be a pastor, it'll be all right, right? Like, that you have messed me up. And he gives me, I, I can so see it now that I'm a parent. He gave me this like random fact that's probably not true at all. I was like, son, listen, if someone's gonna break in the house, they're probably gonna do so before 3 a.m. Told me that time exactly. Like by 3 a.m., people are starting to get up and get moved. I was like, three, who gets up at 3 a.m.? It's complete, he lied to me. Let's call it like it is. The pastor lied to his kid, all right? So he's like, 3 a.m. So from this, that point on, I would lay awake at night till 3 a.m. Once the clock struck 3 a.m., it's like, oh good, we made it. And I would go to sleep. I would sleep fine from like three to six because he, he should have told me 11 p.m. Like saved me years of struggle. But I can remember laying in bed and honestly, you're laughing because it was childhood. It still happens. It still happens. Angela works nights, so I'll be, I'll be uh, in, in our room in my bed alone. And let me tell you something, isolation leads to devastation, right? Anytime you're alone, you're, you're, you're in a struggle place. For real. So I'll be there and, and I'll hear something and I'm like, oh, it's the League of Assassins. <laughs> They're coming to get me. Boys, I hope you're okay. <laughs> like from the other room. <laughs> I'm not coming to check. Uh, just kidding. Right? But I have, to, I have to capture the worry. This is so good. I have to make it obedient. Say, you know what, God? I trust you. And I, I'm telling you, you can make fun of me, laugh me, I say it out loud sometimes. Like, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. I trust you with my kids, I trust you. I choose to trust you. And there's a sense of peace that comes in, but this is what we do. I'm gonna invite my little boy, Jeremiah, to come up. Come on, somebody, give Jeremiah a hand. This is my little stud muffin. 
What's up, buddy? This is my youngest, y'all. Over the years, you'll probably see all my family on the stage because I embarrass them. But this is what we do. We have these worries. I don't know what yours is, so I just wrote the word worry. I feel like if I wrote them all on here, we wouldn't be able to read them, right? So we have these worries in life, and we hold them on. And we come to church, and we're like, all right, God, I got this thing. It's really bothering me. Here, you take it. And we let God hold on to it. This is what we do, though. What you gonna do with it, man? <laughs> Sometimes that's what we feel like God says, right? For real. Like, what are you gonna do? And we wait. I mean, listen, if he does, you drop our worries? Come on. And I gotta pick up. That was not planned, but good job. All right. Right? And then we pick our worries back up. Like, he couldn't hang on to it. I, I guess I'm supposed to hold on to this stress. I guess I'm supposed to hold on to this anxiety. And we go a whole nother week and then we come back to church and we're like, I didn't know God. <laughs> I didn't know God lost. I'm gonna have to keep my eye on you, God. Come on, come up here with me, bud. Just like his daddy. Ready? Let's do it together. Come on. All right, never mind. All right, so, so then we go back and we're like, all right, God, it's been a whole week. Here's my worries again. Hold on to my worries. And he drops them, right? You dropped it. Can I have it back? And we play this game with God where we give it to him. And if he doesn't do what we want in five minutes, we take our worries back and we hold on to him because we're more capable than he is. And this is what we do. We let our worries push our God around. I, can, I had to call my kid up here because I know I was going to push him around. I can't push your kids around. That'd be weird. Right? We let our worries push our God around. Come on, take them. Do something. And here's the problem. Our worries are more powerful than our God. So this is what we do. We get a bigger God. Come on, Brandon. We get a bigger God. We say, you know what? I know what I need. I'm gonna give me a bigger God. We come to church, the pastor tells me I need a bigger God. So I give me a big God, right? I'm gonna give me the, like, here God, you take my words, you're a bigger God, do something. But we have the same expectation. He better do what I want him to. My peace is found in the answers, not in the presence of God, so he better do what I want. If not, I don't have any peace. Go sit down, buddy, thank you. I don't have any peace. And I look back at my God and I say, wait, you didn't do what I want, give it back. Though you're a bigger God and I felt you and I experienced you, I went to church, you didn't do what I want, so I, I'm gonna hang on to it. And then we say, no, wait, wait, I gotta give it back. And then we do this, we play this tug of war match with God. Listen, this is gonna be so good for some of you. We play this tug of war match. We give and we take back, we give and we take back, we give and we take back. Listen, I understand whatever's on your piece of paper, by the way, notice it's a piece of paper. It isn't that heavy. Right? Whatever's on your piece of paper, whatever you would write, is very real to you. I am not making light of the things that overwhelm us. I am a real person. I have real bills to pay. I have real stress in life. And you just saw I have a real son who flosses in the middle of my message. All right? I got stressed just like you got stress. Right? Whatever is on your paper is real. I'm not living in this moment like we just give away. I'm like, all right, good, walk away. What I am suggesting is instead of playing tug of war with worries, you go ahead and hang on. You just let God hang on to you. You know what I'm saying? You let him carry you around. You let him get you because he's got you. You're gonna hang on to your worries. You, you all right? Yeah, Man, you're strong. 
You're good looking too. All right, you can, put me, you can carry me around or put me down. Your choice, right? Thank you, my friend. The problem is this. Hey, do me a favor, Brandon. Stay right about there. The problem is this. We want to hang on to these and these blindness to that. See, whatever is closest in your life is what's biggest, right? Well, what we do is we look for God, but we can't see him because we hold our worries so close and we hold God at a stiff arm. We hold God at distance and, and our worries are close. And what we do is we pray through our worries. Oh, you gotta get this, there's freedom in this, y'all. Somebody came in this house, you need, you need to hear this. We pray through our worries, questioning the presence of God because all we see is what worries us. Instead, what we need to do is we need to get where our worries are on the other side of God. Are they real? Yeah, but when I look through, all I see is the presence of God. All I see is him because he's close to me. The Bible says he is close to the brokenhearted. Thank you, Brandon. Give it up for my friend. He is close to the brokenhearted. That means, man, when, when you are stressed, when you are overwhelmed, we make the choice. Peace over worry. The problem is, we hold our worries so close because we're control freaks. And someone's here going, man, this sounds a whole lot like denial. No, I'm not talking about denial. I need to give you just five, five minutes, if that, of, of practical stuff here. If what worries you is finances, spend less than you make. You say, well, I've done that. Then you give God the rest. You give God the rest, right? If what worries you is your kids, spend some time with them or send them to boarding school, one or the other, like one track or the other. Like spend some time with them and then give God the rest and pray over them. My mama, man, she, wore, she had to wear her knees out praying for us. You don't know me and Shane. You don't know Kristen, y'all. Right? She had to pray over us. Like spend time with them. Do what you can do. If your stress, if your worry comes from your job, show up early and do more than expected. It's a good idea, right? This is free life advice, y'all, right? But then when, when, when you can't do anymore, you give God what you can't do. I'm gonna do what I can do, and I'm gonna give God the rest, and I'm gonna rest in that peace. I'm not talking about denial. That's not wisdom. The Bible talks a lot about wisdom. I'm not gonna be like, well, God, I trust you for my finances. Amazon Prime, what? Right? I'm not going to live in that world. I'm going to live in wisdom. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to give God what I can't do. But see, this is the thing. Trust is built on what? A relationship. Man, you guys come on up. Trust is built on a relationship. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down because this is, I'm so passionate about this. I don't like religion. Say, well, I came to church today. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> like, you didn't come for religion. <laughs> If you did, you're sorely disappointed, right? I don't like religion because religion is built on rules. Rules are built on control. Oh, you gotta get this. Control creates worry because it's in my power and there will always be things outside of my power. I'm gonna connect the dots for you. Some of you have been in church your whole life and you've never experienced peace because you've been in religion your whole life. You've never actually had a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm, been there, grew up in church. See, religion is built on rules. 
Rules are built on control. Control creates worry. That's why some of the most stressed and anxiety-filled people are in church on Sunday mornings because they follow religion. While relationship is built in trust. Trust creates peace because I know when I get to the end of my limit, I'm gonna tap into his. See, relationships create trust. Trust creates peace. The problem is this. We wanna be in control, so we go to religion. Religion didn't set anybody free. Jesus did. He will set you free. But it has to start with an authentic relationship. A real relationship with a real God that loves you and cares for you. And when you come to the end of your rope, man, and we've all been there. I I, I joke that this is a real church full of real people, but it is. Man, we've been there. Everyone in this room, the guy on the stage, we've all been there where the worry and the anxiety overwhelms us. I've had lead team meetings where we accomplished nothing other than telling each other what bothers us and then praying over each other. We've been there. But when I come to the end of my rope and worry plagues my soul and I'm laying in bed at night thinking about that league of assassins, I don't call on the name of religion, I call on the name of Jesus. I don't expect my Sunday morning worship experience, my church attendance to make me feel better or think better. I have a real relationship with a real God that I can tap to and I trust him. That's why we sang the song and I don't work the songs out with Chris. He does whatever he wants, but I'll build my life on you. I will put my trust in you. Relationships are built on trust. Religion's built on rules. And today, maybe you've, you've tried the religion thing and it didn't help the worry thing. It didn't help the anxiety thing. There was no peace found in that. And I'm telling you, there will never be peace in that. Only more worry, only more stress because you control everything. Today, I wanna to invite you to a relationship and it looks different. You say, well, I don't understand all that. That's the point. He did the work. We trust in him. If you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes, not as a religious symbol, but just to block out the distractions. This is between you and you and God in this moment. You're here, your life's been overwhelmed and stressed. You walked in here worried, anxious, stressed out. And through it, you realize, man, I need a relationship with God. I just need a relationship with Jesus. I've tried the religion thing. I've tried to to, to make it all work, but I can't anymore. And I wanna trust him. You right now know you don't have a relationship with God. I promise I will not embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you. All I'm gonna ask you to do is raise your hand and look at me. Go ahead, raise your hand up high so I can see you. I wanna see your hand, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Come on, anybody else, I I, I don't wanna miss you. I promise, raise your hand and look at me. All I wanna do is pray for you. I will not embarrass you. You do not have to leave this room stressed and overwhelmed. You can experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding. I just will pray for you. One more opportunity. Yes, please pray for me. Thank you. I see your hand. All right. I'm going to ask all my friends 
to pray with me as we, as we invite those four that just raised their hand. I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me, but I'm asking all of my friends with me to pray. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for doing what I could never do. Today, I choose to trust you. I choose relationship over religion. Thank you for making a way in your incredible name. Now, before you look up, I wanna ask one more question. You're here and you believe in Jesus. You have a real relationship with God. You have a faith that's active, but it's been attacked by worry. It's been attacked by stress and anxiety. And today, I wanna pray for you because I'm your pastor. Man, some of you, I'm your friend. Some of you, I'm your neighbor. But in this room, I'm also your pastor. And I just wanna take a moment and pray with you. So you say, man, I got a relationship with God, but man, my life is crazy right now. And I just need somebody to pray with me. If you'd raise your hand just so I can pray with you. Come on, I need some peace. Honey, I need somebody to pray with me. Man, thank you guys. Let's pray together. I'm gonna ask you, if you got your hand up, go ahead and raise your other hand. The reason we do this is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of surrender to God. Say, God, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm gonna pray over you guys. You just pray from your own heart. God, thank you for these people. They trust you. Right now, I pray your peace would reside in their hearts. The very thing that has blocked out the view of you that has caused them to to live in worry, stress, and anxiety. I pray that this morning your peace would overshadow their worries. Your presence would come between them and their struggle and they would feel the peace of God. We trust you in everything in your incredible name. Amen, amen. Do me a favor, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna worship. I, I invite you in this moment, engage in the presence of God. Service is not over. This is your moment. If you feel you need more prayer, if you need someone to pray with you, there are some friends off to the side of the room. They would love to pray with you. And sometimes we need that. We need a friend to cry with us. We need a friend to laugh with us. We need someone that will pray with us. So God, move in this place right now. Wrap your word word in our hearts with your presence. In your incredible name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.